story time at the Ape's Nest. It's been a little while. You know, I was, was kind of thinking that uh, you regular people, you don't really, you don't really know what it's like to rest a story from the universe and deliver it like a word child. Uh, I'll tell you what it's like. It's it's beautiful. The author's mind smells a story and digs it from the earth like a pig finding a fragrant stone in the soil. Today we've got a really special story for you. This is a first time appearance from our friend Talbot Penniman. I think you've heard him before. He's a member of Death Shepherd, who have uh, done some music for the podcast and are a stalwart of the live show. This is a story he did at a live show he did a couple of months ago with uh, some music by Tyler Derryberry, who's also been on the show a bunch. Let's uh, let's go to that. Let's see how that worked out. Uh, spoiler alert: it worked out great. Good evening. All right. So, the uh, the premise of this is the uh, there's a biblical flood, and a boat is commissioned to uh, sort of shepherd the planet's organisms through the flood. It should only take three months, five months, but it doesn't. Five months go by. 4,000 years go by, and they do what they have to to stay afloat on their boat. I work in the old part of the ship. Down here we do things the old way. I got no idea if that's better or worse, or if the various methods we employ around here can really be ranked. I do know I would hate the way they do things upstairs. It's just really boring looking. I guess it's important work. They do citizen modification up there. Down here, we would kill a lot of people developing citizen modifications. Basically, when you do specimen shaping the old way, the downstairs way, it's a lot of blood. High mortality rate among the specimens. It's straightforward, it's brute force, and it's a method that takes a certain level of numbness to handle. The only reason these methods are probably still around is the mortality rate. What we do puts food on the table and in the trough, not to mention the building material. A lot of bones. I've been working in dog modification for the last few years. Totally sucks. I used to like dogs. Spare you the details, but our assignment for the last several months has been to generate toothless dogs. I really have no idea why you would do this. It's ridiculous. I imagine if we accomplish it, the results go upstairs, the nerds will adapt the work, some kind of toothless citizen modification. Admin doesn't want us working on citizen modification down 
Admins make us walk a really fine line when it comes to citizen modification. No one knows why. Admins are the weirdest thing around. And I've seen some shit. They either don't or they can't speak. They just kind of float in and out of the room staring at shit. They don't respond or react to anything. They wear yellow hats. No one else wears those. They don't seem to do anything. But their policies are felt. Example. I worked with this guy, Jeb. Jeb has, or perhaps had, a standard tri-arm modification. Getting a third arm is a really stupid thing to do. Tech is always going to try to talk you out of it, but if you want the arm, they're going to give it to you. Everyone else really hates tri-arms. That third arm just sticks right out of the sternum. Two thumbs flanking a set of four fingers. Disgusting. I'll mention, it's not really considered equal to rip on a tri-arm. Tri-armism is a non-inheritable trait. You can only get that way by asking for it, and you can get it undone really easily, so it's absolutely okay to give people shit for having a tri-arm. <laughs> Most people who go in for arms will go for a forearm configuration, either off the top or from underneath. Depends on what you do on the boat. Some people actually go for six arms, but it just looks fucking crazy. So anyway, Jeb has a third arm and gets no dates with anyone. Like I said before, gross. Triarm's got only one hope for old-time copulation. And that's an auto-fornicator reward. For that, a citizen specimen has one or both sets of reproductive systems installed such that they can get it in. Absolutely every auto-fornicator testifies that this allows a level of satisfaction you will not get anything or anyone else. I'm a believer. Jeb was goddamn useless for weeks after the upgrade. So, one day, I get to the lab before Jeb, find a fertility person from administration sitting on the table. So here's what I didn't know. Jeb wasn't just an auto-fornicator, but a self-fertilizer. Crazy tri-arm asshole didn't just get a standard auto-fornication config, he went full package. He didn't get the fun stuff, he got the functional stuff. So, side note. Anyone seeking to create offspring needs a permit. The application is really simple. The applicant or applicants simply specify the method of reproduction, the involved parties, state how many eggs they intend to lay. Most people just kind of do this one at a time, and this place being vast but finite, it's the most likely way to get approved. So you get your fertility permit, and it will have a number on it. It just says how much offspring you're entitled to. The expiration comes when you've created that much offspring, there's no date on it. But here's the thing. Based on who you are, what you've done to yourself, and 
guess what administration thinks of you, there are variations on the nature of the permit. So administration, while they frown on it, they'll let you graft that third arm. They'll give that fertility permit to an auto-fornicating, self-fertilizing triarm. But in that specific case, for reasons nobody understands, because admin doesn't talk, it's not really a permit. It's more of an edict. An auto-fornicating, self-fertilizing triarm who's approved to reproduce will see two numbers on that permit. The first number, like an ordinary permit, is how much offspring you get to make. The second one is a deadline. The permit demands that the full quota of offspring be gestating by the time the deadline occurs. So what happened to Jeb was this. He got that stupid arm, had his male and or female baby makers installed, and I have no idea what he got because I'm not rude. And a permit for 78 offspring. Now this is a pretty standard quota. Admin always goes for just a flood of eggs from these permits. What was nuts was the deadline. 30 days. So egg production is usually a pretty casual process. The parents, between like 1 and 12 individuals, spend a day or two on copulation. The egg is laid within a day or two after fertilization. Citizens have a lot of control over this process. It does take effort, but you can accelerate that. Jeb was going to need to lay 2.6 eggs per day for the next month. My understanding is that's basically a death sentence. You'll kill yourself trying, or you'll disappear when you fail. He couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. absolutely undeserved. Not that fairness is really a concept anyone around here is familiar with. So like I said, admin is weird and unfathomable. The toothless dog project plotted on at half speed. The day after the deadline passed, I got to work to find Jeb standing outside the lab or something Jeb-like. He was wearing a yellow hat.
left. Inside, the lab was empty. All the equipment, the dogs, our data. The lab had been purged. The work undone. Empty. Almost empty. 78 eggs neatly arranged on the floor. Later that day, I received a new assignment to caretake those eggs. Within a few weeks, we had 78 small dogs. <laughs> 78 small, toothless dogs. Each with three forelimbs. And no reproductive organs. Thank you, Talbot. That was, I loved that. Loved that story. Loved that music. Shiver. Shivering uh, everywhere. You know, if you want to see one of those live shows, you've got a, you've got a couple of chances coming up. Don't, don't freak out. Uh, July 18th, we'll be at the Midway Cafe in Jamaica Place. And uh, that's going to be a pretty good one. Let me see who we got lined up for that one. We've got uh, Talbot will be there. Uh, the lovely Kira Horowitz. Uh, Sarah Cronin, who's been on the show before. We've got a couple of debut readers. That's exciting. Uh, Dan Madry is going to do some music. He's in the band Gondoliers. Adam Brilla will be doing some music, which will be great. And then uh, we're fleshing out this one, but it's coming. The August 19th, the Washington Street Arts, Somerville. I know uh, Donna Parker slash Mary Stobbitz will be there. I'll be there. That's about all I know right now, but more is coming. We'll figure it out. Don't you worry. You can find out more about that at apesnest.com. Well, that's about it for this week. The... uh music you're hearing underneath me, the music that's not under the story, that's uh, it's by a little band called Hesher Ant. You can find them at ekronk.bandcamp.com. That's E-K-R-O-N-K.com. Thanks for listening. Please tell your people about this show, and uh, see you next time.